Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and with me is Paxton and a BP. Hello. Hi. Today we're playing First in Flight. It was designed by Ben Rossett, who also did the search for Planet X, Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig, Between Two Cities, and Brew Crafters, and Matthew O'Malley, who did the search for Planet X, Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig, and Between Two Castles. The developers were Steve Schlepperst, John Koivu, and Daniel Davalos. The artists were Tomas Bogzis and Amelia Sales, and it was published in 2023 by Artana Games, uh, which is actually purchased by Genius Games, who did Subatomic and Genotype, and their thing is to design games that have like education and like basis behind their games, kind of their shtick. So... The description. In First in Flight, players take on the roles of early aviation pioneers at the start of the 20th century. They will begin with a basic flyer and must choose from a variety of actions to improve their design while balancing the risks that these upgrades introduce. As they begin to fly, they must use their skills and experience to land safely and set new flight records. After four years or when any player reaches a distance of 40 or more, the player who has flown the farthest wins. And the mechanics are deck bag pool building, push your luck, race, rondelle, turn order, turn track, and variable player powers. Paxton, how would you de describe the box art? Um, there's like a sunset and the Wright Brothers plane, and they're in a field with a bunch of people um, on their watching and waving. And there's a town in the background, like a Ferris wheel, some mountains, trees. Yeah, which is weird because the first one was at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, like on a beach. Why is this one, unless this is like a later flight, not necessarily the first flight, mm -hmm. which seems weird. But yeah, it's nice art. I mean, this is more scenic maybe than a, than a beach. Mm, possibly. I think it depends on who you talk to. Some people would find a beach scene very scenic. True. Yeah. Uh, BP, anything to add on the box art? No, I mean, it's a cartoonish uh, portrayal, so kind of reminds me a little bit of the studio. Ghibli? Yeah. Yeah, I would say, like, I think cartoonish, but uh, not in the way of, like, Garfield or right, Calvin no. Hobbes. More cartoonish is in, like, I don't know what you would call those, like, realistic comics. Sure. Where, like, they're trying to be more realist than, like, whimsical and goofy, like a... Family circus or something. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so based on the description and the box art, would y'all pick it up off a shelf? Paxton. Um, I mean, I like airplanes, so probably. Okay. BP. Um, it sounds interesting. I'll say yes. I'm a yes as well. I backed it on Kickstarter, uh, primarily because of the theme. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the design, not the designers, but the company doing the design. We've enjoyed games that they have put out before, and I like kind of the background of them trying to be like making a good educational game, if you will. So I like that. So, yeah, I would pick it up as well. Uh, so how do you all think it's played? Rondell. So we're going around. OK, you nailed that part. Thanks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, we're, uh, we're building, we're building a deck. Okay. That is the thing we're trying to do. And it looks like you can like hire pilots that'll give you bonuses and 
buy or upgrade your plane that'll give you um different upgrades too and like bonuses or negatives and things which will help you like probably go further on the track and whatnot are those objective cards i can't tell you you're the ones trying to guess. Those are objective cards, and we're going to be able to claim them. Ah, okay. And we want to be the one to come up with the the best flying. We want to be able to make it around in one, in one, the first one to make it all the way around in our plane. Yep, there we go. By building up a deck and playing cards. Okay. Uh, so this one seems pretty easy. The history of heavier than air powered flight. Yeah. So. An easy one. Right. Uh, you all know the story of the Wright brothers and their first, uh, the Wright flyer heavier than air aircraft in 1903. And causing a rift between Ohio and North Carolina. That will never be solved. However, when I think of early pilots, I think of Antoine de Saint Exupéry. Probably butchered his name. You are probably wondering who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, this pilot is most often known as the author of Le Petit Prince, um, which I'm sure you are familiar with. Yep. Um, but so. He was a pilot beginning in the interwar years and flew both commercially and uh, as a pilot in World War II, uh, you know, in airplanes that would have been just kind of second generation from some of these early aircraft that we'll be portraying. Um, so, so he started by enlisting in the Air Force in 1921. Um where he took private flying lessons and received his pilot's wings, um, joining the 37th Piter Regiment in Casablanca. Um, later uh, went to the outskirts of Paris, where he experienced one of his many aircraft crashes, which because these early planes is pretty natural. Uh, one of his big crashes took place in the desert, in the Sahara Desert, um, and really, I would say, messed with his skeletal uh, structures. Um, so much so that uh, when he did go back to flying in World War II, which was in 1943, and he was 43 years old at the time, which was well beyond uh, the maximum age for pilots, but he got a uh, exception granted by uh, Dwight Eisenhower. Um, however, uh, at the time he was suffering uh, a lot of pain and immobility due to his previous crash injuries, so much so he couldn't even uh, dress himself in his own flight suit or turn his head to be able to see enemy aircraft on his left side, which again, most of the pilots that are the planes that he was flying with, he would have needed to see because they didn't quite have the instruments. He was flying reconnaissance and mm. so flying some of the older aircraft. He actually um, took off on his last 
um, flight um, in, on July 31st, 1944. He took an unarmed uh, P-38 um, to uh, kind of go on a reconnaissance mission. He left Corsica and never returned. Um, in 1998, they found some uh, remains of the aircraft uh, that they believe, in fact, is his aircraft based on a bracelet that was also found mm. off the sea. I did not know that. Yeah. He did write a book. I think Paxton has it, a kind of an autobiographical work. Mm. Okay. Cool. On his, because uh, he w- did the postal, uh, helped promote commercial air flight in the postal service in the interwar years. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, y'all, y'all want to know how to play? Didn't find that interesting at all. I did find it interesting. I said several times. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you guys want to know how to play? Yeah. Okay. I want to know how to win. Okay. Good luck. Say wind. Ah. Ah, Sleeping on the porch. Okay. So we are early pioneers in flight trying to set the record and hopefully be the first to successfully complete heavier than air powered flight. The period of time covered is four years. Each rear is around. And during those years, we're going to fix and improve our planes, make test flights, set records and make friends. The player who does this the best is the winner. All right. The first player is randomly chosen, but we could go with last to fly in a plane, person with the most flight hours, person with a pilot's license, person who's actually been to Kitty Hawk or Dayton, Ohio, depending on what side of the argument you're on. But turn order is also entirely random, so it doesn't really matter uh, who starts. So uh, the player that is the furthest back on the track is the active player, so similar to to Kaido. Uh, They then choose how many spaces they wish to travel going clockwise. They can stop on any unoccupied space and may then perform its action. Actions will typically cost either money or time, and some will give an option for one or the other. The spaces are fly, and it will look like the Wright Brothers uh, plane as the icon. So the player is going to shuffle up their flight deck, then draw cards one at a time. All cards contribute some measure of distance, usually between zero and five, and some will have damage icons. If you ever reach four damage icons during your flight, you crash and your flight ends. Uh, At any point, you can start your descent. So everybody will have a descent card that will be opposite, will not be a part of their deck. So anytime you can decide, okay, I'm not pushing my luck anymore, I'm going to attempt to land. In which case, you're still going to shuffle up your deck and draw two more cards because you got to get to that landing. As long as you don't draw a fourth damage during that descent, then you land successfully. Uh, Add the distance together, and that's how far you flew. Move up to two design flaws from the cards you played to your garage for repair later. So there will be cards in our deck. We each start with four that will say design flaw, and they will have some sort of effect on your flight. Uh, You're still going to add up your distance even if you crash. And if you do crash, you're going to lay your pilot on its side because the next action you can do is recover. Uh, If your flight went 15 or further, you become famous and you're going to flip your pilot card over and you're going to be able to use a better ability than the one you start with. Uh, And if your flight went over 40, that triggers game end. So that's one option. Your next option is recover. This one doesn't have an icon on the deck. If you crash previously, you must take this option. You're going to pay two time and then stand your pilot pawn up. 
Uh, and the way we pay time in this game is on the rondelle track, you will see several clocks. So you have to move two clocks is how you would pay to time. Those clocks are going to have spaces that you could go in between, but basically you're giving up those spaces uh, as you move time. So that's recover. Uh, repair is going to look like a wrench. So uh, any design flaws that you have in your hangar can be fixed. Pay the cost. So it'll show the cost uh, on the icon, including any additional money. So if you look at your hangar board, there are two slots. One uh, doesn't have any additional costs, and the second one has an additional cost of one. So you'll pay all that cost, you'll return your design flaw, and then you'll take a basic flight problem. So you will always have four problems in your deck, but as you get rid of design flaws, it'll get rid of the extra stuff that a design flaw makes uh, for problems on your flight. Uh, you can upgrade. So these will look like engines with an up arrow, in which case, uh, you're going to pay at least two coins or two time, but you can pay more Then draw cards based on the amount you paid from the uh, upgrade deck. Gain two and return the others to the deck and then shuffle the deck, then draw a design flaw. Add all of these to your flight deck. Okay, your next one is glide or experience. Uh, and these will look like a, uh, a brown card or a white card. Uh, and all you're going to do is you're going to take one of those from the pile and you're going to add it to your deck. A glide is just, it's no problem. It just adds one to your distance and experience will add one to your distance as well as add a flight card to your flight. Okay, funding. This is just going to be money. So you're just take the coin shown on the space. Next one is a development card. So you're going to pay the cost of the space and then choose a face up card or a card from the top deck uh, of one shown in the space. So you could have friends, which are yellow, uh, and they will add benefits to your flight. You could have technology that are always there uh, and it will have a gear icon. And then finally, you can have skills. So your pilot can be more skillful uh, and you can use skills whenever you want on a flight up until you play your descent card. And then the descent card actually says, okay, at this point you can't play skills anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. So friends will typically add a once per round ability. Tech cards provide ongoing abilities and skills are used once per flight up until you do your descent. Uh, and then the last option is any, and then you're just going to copy any action space and pay the cost of the any space and the normal cost for the action selected. Once all players have reached the end of the track, the year round ends. The player that reaches the end first is the first player for the next round, so just like Takedo. Uh, the year tracker will be advanced one. Any face-up development cards are discarded and a new set is drawn. Any exhausted cards, so your friends, uh, are reset. And the Michelin Cup prize is given, and this uh, players get money based on who has the best flight record at the end of the round. Uh, the game ends at the end of the fourth round, or if a player sets a record of 40 or more for a flight. At this point, all players will get one final flight attempt, including the player who triggered the game with a 40 plus flight. The player who has the greatest record after that final flight is the winner. If there is a tie, the victory is shared unless one of those players triggered the end game with a 40 plus flight, uh, in which case they are the winner. And those are all the rules. Let's fly.
We just finished a game of First in Flight. To recap, uh, BP, who took the Michelin uh, Cup Award several years in a row, I think every year in a row, uh, finished with a final flight record of 32. Uh, Paxton was able to jump into the lead. He struggled to fly for a lot of the game, uh, jumped into uh, second place with a final flight of 36. And I triggered the game in game with a 40 plus flight and had a final flight record of 53. Thanks to some well-placed landing gear, which you wouldn't think about in an airplane when you were just starting out, I guess. Uh, so my, uh, you guys were building giant decks. I was trying to cull my deck as much as possible, and I wanted to limit the number of flaws in my deck and just have a bunch of everything else. So I only had four flaws because I never did the upgrade action, and then the landing gear made it where I could never crash because I could never get a fifth flaw because I didn't have five flaws in my deck. So that was kind of my goal was that deck building mechanic and just keep my deck small and managed to have like a bunch of numbers. So, and that very last flight, I played every single card is what I played. So, uh, Paxton, strategy? Uh, I didn't have one. Okay. I just chose random things and hoped it worked out. <laughs> Which is a strategy. I mean, I was trying to get the upgrades, did not even think about though trying to, I mean, I thought about how like you had one of those skills and I wanted to try to get it at some point to try to take out the glides yeah. to replace with upgrades was also a really great card. Um, with the rondelle, I did my Tokaido strategy, which is stopping at every stop, which I think is how I did so well at the beginning as I stopped at those upgrades and got the upgrades constantly. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, theme. Paxton, did you feel like you were an early aviation pioneer at the turn of the century? Yeah, the cards help with that. Like, I think this might be another one of the styles where you can put it into like any theme, like first to C or whatever, and it'll fit too if you have the right art. Yeah, BP. I mean, it's a deck builder with Rondell, but um, I mean. I don't know that I felt like I was, I mean, I felt like I was trying to build a deck to get high points. I agree. I think it's kind of a mix of what Paxson's saying and what you're saying is like, I felt like I was building a deck to try and get as many points as I could in a single run of cards. And you could probably put a lot of different themes on the yeah. top of an idea like that. It could be racing. It could be drag racing. It could be like all kinds of stuff, I think. And you would get kind of the same idea. So I wasn't really sold on feeling like I was a pioneer and the first in flight. I think I agree with Paxson. I think the art and the wording on the cards, that's what draws you into the theme. But I feel like when we say, like, did you feel like this? Mm -hmm. You really need more than just art to kind of bring you into that theme. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, table presence. What do you think, BP? Yeah, I think it would turn your eye. I mean, especially the board. I think rondelles just are something so new and different that that there's an extra thing to look at besides just a typical deck builder. Yeah, Paxton. Probably not. It to me, it just looks like every other game. There's not really anything that like pops out as like, oh, this is. There's not like bright colors everywhere. 
something unique about the board. Yeah, I think I'm going to, I agree with Paxton on this one. I think the art's okay, uh, but I'm not sure it would turn my head because it does look like a lot of other Euro-based. I think the thing that would turn my head is the fact that it's flight-themed, which I don't think is enough to really like draw somebody into the table. Uh, mechanics. Uh, so I think the mechanic I liked the most was that idea of trying to set, set flight records. And so you were always trying to beat your own record. It didn't just like constantly get reset. So, you know, we all had flights where it was like, well, I did okay. I didn't crash, but I didn't, I didn't do as well as I did in the past. So, you know, that was a different way to do final scoring that I don't think we've seen in any, any other game. It's like, mm-hmm. take the best thing that you've done instead of we're going to accumulate points over the course of a turn of a, of a game. So, uh, Paxson. Yeah. I feel like that was the best part of where you have to beat your own record. So you have to build your deck further and hope you do better the next time you fly to like move forward. Yeah. And I think what that does too, is like, if you're not doing well in the game, you end up having this own, like, okay, I, I might not win, but I'm going to try and beat my own record every you know year. Mm-hmm. So again, it kind of gives people something to aim for, even if they feel like they're not in it anymore. BP. I mean, I like the Takedo Rondell. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. It is a cool mechanic. Yeah. Makes you think about where you want to go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, player interaction. Oh, sorry. Uh, rules. How was it learning the game? BP. It was a lot at first to kind of track. Um, it definitely took the, I think the first whole time around the, the board before getting kind of the hang of what all the icons meant, lots of icons, lots of text. There's a lot to keep track of. Which conveniently we use the four person side of the board. So we got more of those on the first time around the rondelle. <laughs> so, uh, Paxton. I mean, I thought it was pretty easy. The only thing was just trying to remember what all the little icons meant all the time. Yeah. And I feel like once we got around to it, like I I think it was those first two rounds where somebody was still like, oh, what does this one mean again? But by the third and the fourth round, I felt like everybody kind of knew what they were getting. So uh, play interaction. What do you think, Paxton? None. Yeah. Other than like if somebody went on the spot you wanted, but even then. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Uh, so the quintessential quintessential or the ultimate question, would you play it again? BP. Yeah. You sounded very confident about your answer. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to, I mean, I'm not a big fan of deck builders, but I want I want to try to improve my ability. So yeah. I'm going to be kind of a Kate-ish about this one. Oh, that's fair. Paxton? I would play it if somebody else wanted to. I don't think I would personally be like, I want to play this one. I think I am in the same boat. I think the theme kind of draws me in. But as a deck builder, I would rather play something else. I like Subatomic more. Uh, I like Lost Runes of Arnak more. There are other deck builders I would rather play than this one. And I don't think the theme was strong enough to be like, okay, I could use another deck builder in the collection because this one is 
aviation themed. Yeah, I like airplanes, but I don't like airplanes that much. Yeah, this one might go in the trade pile. Okay. Yeah, which is disappointing because the theme is right up my alley. And I just, meh. So I'm going to keep it as a yes, because I'm with Paxton. If someone was like, hey, let's play first in flight, I wouldn't say no, which is usually my gauge of like. Right. Would I or wouldn't I? But I'm definitely not going to be like, hey, everybody come over. We're playing first in flight today. Yeah, not going to happen. So uh, so that was first in flight. So if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, you can send them our way. We are uh, available via email at firstturntabletop at Gmail or the previously known as Twitter and Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel says as he's gearing up to push his lighter or heavier Heavier than than air powered powered aircraft aircraft (laughs) into the air. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. We just finished a game of Final Flight. First in flight. We just finished a game of First to Flight. Why is it called heavier than air flight? Because it negates hot air balloons. Oh, okay. Thank you. Which is technically flying, but it's lighter than air. Fly me to the moon. Play among the stars Something, something, something Jupiter and Mars Mm -hmm.